0: Two,
1: two a swing a Deep left.
0: hey everyone jj cooper Kyle glazer back with another baseball america playoff podcast presented by my bookie we're rolling along we are the dust is cleared we had eight we we now have eight teams left. We had sixteen. Now we have eight. We're getting ready for a, another very very full week of baseball. Actually, a fuller week of baseball this week than we even had last week because we have best of five series. And tomorrow again we will have today we have two games. Tomorrow we'll have four, and we'll keep rolling along like that until uh, these series start being decided. But. Kyle, you you know you were there in San Diego as you watched the the Padres uh, piece together uh, with uh, a bullpen day of all bullpen days to advance to the second to the division series round, and you know we we have four division series matching up. The division series round is very aptly named this year. And Kyle, as you look at this, as you look at the totality of this, here we are one round through. What, what,
1: what stands out to you? What are you most excited to see this week? Not only that it's all division series, but there's no love lost. in at least three of these matchups, there's a lot of animosity, you know, Yankees raised, that's been well-documented the Potters and the Dodgers have also had some issues this year. There was a collision at the plate between Fernando Tatis and Will Smith, which led to Justin Turner getting in Tatis's face. And the next night to Nelson Lamette hitting Justin Turner and, you had an issue where Max Muncy kind of veered into Jake Cronenworth at first base, and later on, you had Trent Grisham with a stare down and bat flip against Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers didn't like. I mean, you've got you've got some very tense series there. And then, A's Astros. We all know that history. Mike Fires being on the A's, everything with the sign stealing revelations. We had the giant Ramon Laureano Alex Cintron, Alex Cintron brawl earlier this year. I mean, Yankees, Rays, Padres, Dodgers, A's, Astros, those three should be really, really, really good series just from a talent perspective. Then you add this extra layer of, hey, these two teams do not like each other. I think it's going to be tremendously entertaining. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it myself. You know, I,
0: I'd say let's start. We will dive into the AL series first because the AL series are the ones that begin today. We have the Astros A's playing at four Oh seven Eastern one Oh seven Pacific today. We have, then they'll be followed by Yankees Rays. I, I know this is going to shock you everyone, but the, 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 Astros A series while it are, those are the AL West teams. They're playing during the day, every single one of these until this Yankees Rays series is done at the minimum, because, um, the Yankees are in this and the Yankees are going to be in prime time. You you're not also going to be surprised to hear it works out geographically, but the the Marlins Braves series will be the day series in the uh, in the in the National League as well. A's Astros This is a series that again, all these are division series, two teams who know each other very well. These are the teams who've been battling it for AL West supremacy for several years here. The Astros have been kind of the class of the division, generally. They are the team that's gone on, won a World Series. You can insert your asterisk if you want right now. The flip side of that, though, is this year, during the regular season, the A's were clearly the better team in this series. And does that mean much to you,
1: Kyle, or is, it, is that something that's kind of irrelevant at this point? That's the million-dollar question, just because we have such a different postseason format now. I mean, the fact the A's won the season series seven to three and outscored the Astros by a good chunk. I mean, the Astros scored 25 runs in 10 games against the A's. The A's pitching staff really held the Astros offense down. You know, that to me is a little bit telling just because that familiarity, very clearly the A's pitchers know how to pitch to these Astros hitters. And I think about how that wild card series went. You know, the Astros, they scored seven runs in two games against the Twins, but it's not like. Those seven runs came from, oh, man, they, you know, strung together some big innings. They really took advantage of some Twins' mistakes, got a few timely hits. Again, not that seven runs in two games is a huge amount to start with, but just the way it kind of happened. I think that the A's, given the success they've had in holding the Astros' offense down, to me, is telling. You know, before the season, I said, I think the A's are the best team in the AL West. As we'll get into this, I I thought that the Yankees and Rays would be the ALCS, and if it lined up that they matched up in the DS, the A's would be the other team that makes the CS. So in general, big picture, I I think the A's are just the better team who should advance to the ALCS regardless. But that history, it does mean a little bit to me, specifically in the context of how their pitchers have done against the Astros' offense this season. I I look at this...
0: I kind of think that the Astros are a better team right now than they were when they faced off the regular season. I say that because I think that the Astros have figured out their pitching uh, a little better. They they had a lot of uncertainty. They had a lot of ups and downs with just getting their pitching staff settled during the regular season. Obviously, Verlander's injury, you, you take away your ace, that's that's significant. But on top of that, Jose Urquidy really took a uh, you know, month, month and a half to get kind of ready to go because of, uh, basically, uh, uh, COVID, you know, test and, and all that. And I look at their bullpen, their bullpen is going to be more tested in this series than it was in the first round, because they basically didn't almost use their bullpen during the first round. They tandem started. They're not gonna be able to tandem starter the way they did in that first round. But that said, you look at the tandem starters, you look at them now and you say, even without Verlander, you say, okay, you have, Franber Valdez, you have Zach Greinke, you have Jose Urquidy, you have Christian Javier. This is a team that that is less uncertain when it comes to their their starting pitching than I expected to see, considering all the upheaval they had during the regular season. And this is a team lineup wise, they haven't had a great year, obviously offensively, especially guys like Jose Altuve. They still have enough depth to this lineup. The the A's lineup also is is not particularly performing at its best right now they have guys who Matt Chapman not being there is 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 pretty crushing for that and that's obviously another significant difference between what happened during the regular season and now I kind of like the uh the Astros in the series I think uh, and and i I guess I'm going also a little bit probably too much being my my impressions being colored by the fact that Houston has had a pretty impressive postseason run in recent years and I hate to say it, A's fans, but that's not been the case for Oakland. So you put all that together, I, I the, the one other thing that stands out to me about this series is, is I know that a lot of people hate the Astros. I get that. I understand why there are a lot of fans. I would say the Astros are the team they have replaced the Yankees as the team that everyone who's not a fan of that team loves to hate. The Carlos Correa quotes and all, I just think like, yes, embrace it. There's nothing the Astros are going to say at this point. There's no amount of apologizing, which they haven't really done. That's not the athlete's mentality. There's no amount that's going to make fans say, okay, we are now ready to move past this, Houston. We, We acknowledge that you are contrite and we will never mention it again. That's not happening. With that being the case, embracing being kind of the team everyone loves to hate It kind of works for them to me in some ways. And as we know, there's nothing that athletes like to do more than to have a reason to feel like that everyone either doesn't appreciate them or doesn't understand them or all these whatever, take you whatever you want to do. That's kind of become, it seems like at least a little bit, the Astros rallying cry here.
1: Yeah, they've definitely taken an us against the world mentality, you know, never mind the fact that they're the ones who committed the infractions and then proceeded to blame other people for blowing them up when no, they're the ones who did it. However, I think what's more relevant to me and what's going to be the bigger question on the field for me is, you know, you mentioned the tandem starters and how that worked for them in the wild card round. Do they have the pitching for a five games in five days type of series? And I think that the starting pitching, Yes, Frambois Valdez, Jose Arquiti, Christian Javier, Granke McCullers. But the bullpen to me is still the question mark. Again, Ryan Presley is a veteran. He's a proven veteran who's been solid this year. You know, Andre Scrub and Blake Taylor and Anola Perez have pitched well, but you're still talking about rookies, young guys who don't have a ton of postseason experience, if any. So for me, I... I understand why the Astros did what they did in the wild card round. And it was a smart move. I give Dusty Baker, I give the front office a lot of credit for making that happen and putting it together. I don't know if you can do that in a five game in five day type of series. So if they can, do you trust the bullpen? If they have to go with a more traditional starter setup, which if it gets beyond game three, they're going to probably have to, or else they're going to run out of pitchers. I don't know the answer to that. And that's why I do lean a little more A's, but you're right. The Astros, we saw some of their hitters, you know, that professionalism, that postseason experience, that slow heartbeat come out in that twin series. And that's an advantage. And there's no question that this is a battle tested group that has the talent to win this series. Um, we just have to see how it plays out. And then I think the strategy of how the Astros deploy their pitching staff is going to be one of the more interesting things to watch for me, at least.
0: Uh
1: I agree. So that's the,
0: the opener we have today. And then we have the primetime series, which man, this one's going to be fascinating. We have Yankees versus Rays begins tonight and you have the Rays who quite simply were arguably the best team in baseball this year, other than, they were the best team in baseball this year, other than the Dodgers. They're the number one seed in the American league. They Utterly dominated the series against the Yankees this year, won it eight of 12, 8 of 10 games. They outscored the Yankees significantly. All that to be said, this Yankees team in the first round looked like the Yankees team that we've kind of been expecting to see. And admittedly, for a lot large part of the 60-game season, they didn't have all their pieces. They had injuries, they didn't have everyone, everyone's healthy now. The same question I asked you at the first round with the with the A's and Astros. How much does the the regular season matter on this, or how much do you feel like that the Yankees are are equipped to uh, to to pull this one off and and kind of avenge what Tampa Bay did them to them during the regular season?
1: Yeah, I mean, just to be frank, during the regular season, this this was a blowout. The Rays beat them eight out of ten times, and not only that, you know, if you, the Yankees scored eight runs on them once. Beyond that, you know, you throw that one out. um, The Rays held them to under three runs a game. So this was a a pretty thorough regular season domination. But you're right for a lot of that. You know, the Yankees, I don't want to say they were playing the JV because they had some good players still left, but they were missing a lot of key guys. So this to me is the hardest of the three series to predict because the team the Yankees were in that wild card round against the Indians That's a team that can win the World Series. That's the team that I thought would be around when I picked them before the season to win the World Series and beat the Dodgers. And during the regular season, we saw a team that was often injured, that was playing horrendous defense. Uh, They averaged the second most errors per game of any team in the majors ahead of only the Pirates. So if that Yankees team shows up, yes, they can win this series 100%. And for me, the biggest part of that is they did a really good job of controlling the zone against the Indians. There were some very, very close borderline calls that the Yankees held up on. They forced the Indians into the strike zone, and when they came in, they punished them. This Rays pitching staff is filthy. You're going to open up with Blake Snell, Tyler Glassnell, Charlie Morton. If you give them an inch, they're going to eat you alive. But the Yankees have the talent to beat them as long as the approach is there. And I think that, to me, is going to be one of the biggest keys of this series. If they replicate what they did in Cleveland, they can absolutely win this series. The other thing about this that that could be a factor, you, you know Petco well. How, how do you think that that affects this series? So that, you know, we've talked about, and I spoke during our preseason podcast about this. I spoke about this during our I shouldn't say preseason product podcast, excuse me, our pre-playoff preview podcast, as well as previously how the Yankees offense away from Yankee Stadium was statistically a bottom third offense in the major leagues. But then they went to Cleveland and did what they did. A lot of those low line drive home runs that they hit to right field that they get in Yankee Stadium, those are lineouts in Peco Park. They're not even doubles, they're lineouts. Some of them in left field as well. Are going to fall short however again you look at Aaron Judge you look at Giancarlo Stanton you look at Luke Voigt these guys are capable of hitting a ball 400 450 feet it's not like this is a low line drive home run team all the time they just benefit from it at times so they have the power if you have right-handed pole hitters you can hit home runs at Petco Park it's when you start trying to go to center right center and then especially left-handed hitters it's a lot more difficult but the Yankees have the right-handed pull power to do it. And again, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, these guys can hit a ball 420, 430 feet out to center, out to right center. So, again, the talent is there. It For me, it just is going to come back to is the approach there against these really, really good rate pitchers.
0: It's, it's going to be fascinating. We'll get back to predictions on that when, we're, when we wrap this up. We're going to go over to the League, But before we do that, we have a quick word from our sponsor. It's fall, and at my bookie, that can mean only one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. You can bet the Major League Baseball playoffs. You can bet the NBA playoffs. UFC, NFL, college football. The craziest sports fall of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks. Win big. Collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of futures bets where you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA, that's one word, America, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Okay. On the National League side, we have to wait till tomorrow for everything to start, but we start off tomorrow. We have Braves versus Marlins, a reprise of uh, uh, of a series I was actually at many, many years ago, Braves Marlins in the uh, NLCS in 1997, I believe the Eric Gregg series. This is, I think how it's often remembered um, uh, on the way, the Marlins winning the world series. And, this is this is a series that looked at pulled back over the course of again short season 60 game series 60 game season logically the Braves are the favorites here they were the better team in the same division over the course of the season that said this Marlins team is it's pretty sprightly and now they have the they they may have the the starting pitching is not the advantage that the Braves will have if this was a best of three, uh, I guess would be the way to put it. You know, it because, again, Max, Max Fried's the best pitcher in this series. Nothing against Sixto Sanchez, nothing against Sania Contara, nothing get, you could go through the Marlins. Max Fried's the best pitcher in the series. That said, it's a five-game series, and if I'm trying to map out how the Marlins are going to attack this series pitching-wise, I have a better sense for it than I do for the Braves.
1: Yeah, so you'll remember I mentioned on two separate podcasts before the playoffs started that I hated the matchup against the Marlins for the Cubs and that I thought the Marlins should try and get the 6 seed to play the Cubs because that's a great matchup for them, and it was. They went out, they held them to one run over 18 innings. The power stuff versus the Cubs bats was not a good matchup for the Cubs at all. That's not the case with the Braves. The Braves are an excellent, excellent offense. They finished second in the majors in scoring this year, one through nine, they can hurt you. They're a really good velocity hitting team. So for me, this is where the Braves should win this series. They match up really well with the Marlins' strength. The Marlins' offense, again, is not a juggernaut. They have some good players. They get some big hits. Um, They can definitely hit some, some key home runs. We saw that in Wrigley. Um, and the Braves starting rotation does have some questions as we've talked about, but it's a really good bullpen. You're starting with Frieden Anderson. Again, for me, again, before the year, I said, I thought the Dodgers and Braves would be the NLCS. And now that we're here, I don't feel like I can go against that. But just the way the teams match up again, I love the Mons matchup against the Cubs. It did not surprise me. They won that. I called that three weeks ago. I called it again on our preseason playoff podcast. To me, the Braves are just the better team here, and I think the matchup, the way it works out, I, I would see Atlanta taking the series, even with the starting pitching questions. And again, not to discredit the Marlins, I just think the Braves are a really, really good team who matches up well.
0: And I just think the lineup is dramatically better than the Marlins. Nothing against the Marlins, great run to get here, but I mean, I look at these two lineups, and the thing about this Atlanta lineup is it's deep, but more than that, it is ferocious as far as there's enough guys in this lineup who if this is we saw this again, they Cincinnati has Cincinnati has the best rotation for a three-game series you were going to see of any of these teams, probably. And they won that series because it every you know, two teams shut each other out in game one. But it's just hard to keep this Atlanta lineup off the off the board inning after inning because they don't need Five hits to do it, a walk and a, a bomb, and all of a sudden it's two it's two runs, or a single and you know a walk, and all of a sudden it's three runs. Because Freeman, Ozuna, Acuna, Albies, even some of the you know Duvall, uh, it's 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 a very a very power heavy lineup.
1: Travis Darno had a great year as well. Yeah. I mean, again, one through nine. This is this is just a really good lineup, and I do think that'll be enough. As good as the Marlins pitching is, and it's legitimately good. Do not. You know, do not discredit these guys. This is a really good staff, and they've got some good arms in that that bullpen. Just the Braves offense, as we've talked about, is a juggernaut.
0: That said, I would say the most interesting matchup, just from the standpoint of storylines, standpoint of how you have the – the Dodgers have been the dominant team in the National League West – Uh, you the giants can argue this because of the the rings that they hold but the the dodgers have been the dominant team in the west for a decade now you have the upstarts the padres who are the team on the rise the team that i would say if you are a casual fan who just likes baseball is just watching at home there's probably not a more i i kind of feel like the padres have a lot of support from that group from you know this is the fun team to watch I can't help but enjoy watching Tatis and Machado and and all the rest. This is the series that, to me, could be fascinating. At the same time, I want this to be a really good series. As a baseball fan who doesn't have a dog in this fight, I want it to be a great baseball series. I also look at it, and I just feel like as interesting, as fascinating as the Padre story is, even with Mike Clevenger looking like he will – we don't know the rosters yet but I would expect to see him on the roster. I would expect to see him starting. Very good news for San Diego, although we don't know how how well it will go because he's coming back from injury. All that said, man, I just feel like the Dodgers, everything the Padres have in the series, the Dodgers also have, and then on the top of that, they have a great starting rotation, whereas the Padres have a, I, I don't know who's going to go game one, game two, game three, game four, or game five.
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, the Padres have just shown such incredible resilience Um, being at that Cardinal series covering, especially games two and three, what they were able to do piecing that together in game three was, was remarkable and it was tense and it was really, really just impressive what they're able to do. You give credit to the pitchers, you give credit to Jace Tinger and his staff for kind of organizing it and making it all, making all the pieces fit. This is a good Padres team. They're very talented. They're very resilient. And that's a dangerous combination. It's just so, so, so hard to pick against the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers led the majors in run scoring. They led the majors in ERA. They dispatched Milwaukee like they should have. They won the season series against the Padres. It was 6-4 and the Padres had one or two games that could have gone the other way. The Padres played the Dodgers tough, but at the end of the day, the Dodgers typically outlasted them it just comes down, if the Padres had Denelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger both in the rotation, 100% healthy, that's where you say, okay, there's a shot here. The fact that we don't firmly know if either of them or both of them or one of them will be on the roster, and we don't know how healthy they're really going to be, it just makes it makes it so difficult when the Dodgers have five healthy, rested, effective starters, and, and the Padres don't. You have Lamette and Clevenger if they're healthy. Chris Paddock just frankly has not been very good this year. Zach Davies has been good, but had a very rough outing against the Cardinals, and there is no fifth starter. They moved Garrett Richards to the bullpen. It's just tough. This Dodgers team is the best team in baseball by a wide margin. They're rested. They're healthy. It's hard to pick against them as good as the Padres are. Again, this is more about what the Dodgers can do versus what the Padres can't do. This is a really good Padres team by any measure. The Dodgers are just on another level. It, Again, the, the Dodgers are
0: everything we talk about with the Padres. The Padres have a great lineup. The Padres, we saw it in that Cardinal series. This is the team. The good news for the Padres is, this is a team that can get down 4-0 and you really do look at it and say, they're just an inning away from turning this around. They can do that against pretty much anyone. And especially Dodgers bullpen has been an issue in in postseasons at times. That said, the problem they have is, is that the Dodgers lineup is every bit as ferocious as theirs. And when we just said that the Padres could get down 4-0 and still be in it, so can the Dodgers. But the Dodgers are much more likely to be the team that jumps up 4-0, and just as likely as it could become four, you know, 4-0 becomes 4-4, 4-0 also could become 8-0 because this lineup is also relentless and very deep, and Matt, you know, and it is is not reliant on one or two guys. It's reliant on depth of of ability. You know, it's a one through nine kind of lineup, and with that being the case. You know, again, I think the Padres are going to be a a challenge for the Dodgers for for years to come. That said, if I've got my choice of uh, starting rotation, the, the Dodgers could tandem start this if they wanted to. They have enough guys to where Dustin May is pretty good. I don't think Dustin May necessarily gets a start in this series. Whereas if Dustin May was on the Padres and you flipped it, You know, Dustin May or Julio Urias, one of those guys is probably not getting a start in the series, or Tony Gonslet. They have those three guys. Those three guys right now, any one of them would be that would be your game one and two, three starters with the questions to Clevenger and Lament right now as far as health. Like that's that's the difference in this series to me right now is that the Dodgers, and again, we're not talking about Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, who are the number one and two starters for take your pick of whichever way you want to order them for the Dodgers. It's, it's, it's a pretty strong discrepancy to me right now when it comes to starting pitching, starting pitching is not everything in a series by any stretch, but in a five game series with no off days, it is going to be important. I would think, I don't, you know, is that, do you see it the same way or, or differently?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. This is a situation where you have to have starting pitching depth and ha- having those, again, having five healthy rested and effective starters is an advantage over pretty much every other team in major league baseball, but the Padres just given the health status of Mike Clevenger and Nelson Lamette, Chris Paddock's overall ineffectiveness this year. It's very, very tough to line it up and look at and say, Oh yeah, Padres have it. And, And you made the point too, that everything the Padres offense can do the Dodgers not only can do, but they've done it better. The Dodgers scored more runs than the Padres this year. They had an OPS about 20 points higher. The Potters are a really, really, really good team. But everything they do, the Dodgers do a little bit better. And so it's just hard to pick against the Dodgers. And this is going to be a great, great, great matchup for years to come. In the NOS, the Padres took the step forward. They won that postseason series against the Cardinals. This is the beginning, not the end of their run. But just for purposes of 2020, the Dodgers have the edge. Not to say the Potters have zero chance of winning. Of course, they have a chance to win. This is a really talented, really resilient team. It's just hard with the way the pitching lines up to go out on a limb and make that pick.
0: Okay, so let's wrap this up with predictions. Kyle, let's start in the
1: AL. Yeah, so before the season, and I say the season, I mean March, like back before everything happened, I said that I thought the Yankees' raise would be the ALCS, and in the event that that wasn't able to happen because they met up in the ds i would go yankees and a's in the alcs so seeing as those are still in play i feel like i can't go away from that and so i would say yankees and a's yeah, you can this is we're asking I, I who, who, who I do you think right I, now <laughs> oh. so for me the a's over the astros definitely the yankees and race series I'm I'm going to be covering at least uh, the start of it here in San Diego. Depending on what happens, I'll, I'll head up to L.A. to do some A's-Astros coverage as well. But the Rays are just this ever-changing organism, right? 60 lineups in 60 games. You never know who they're going to run out there. They They can do so many different things. They're hard to match up against. I feel like I got to stick with my original prediction, stick with the Yankees and the way they played against the Indians gives me faith in that prediction, but it's going to be tough. I think this one's going five. The Rays are favored. I think they can absolutely win this series. I just, I feel like I got to stick with the Yankees. Okay. I'm going to go Astros. Ah, again, the Rays,
0: Yankees, is tough one. I'm going to say Astros, Rays. So, so we're going completely opposite on that. One of us, you know, we'll either be splitting it or, you know, okay. So now we go to the NL. I, I think you could tell from what we said, what our answers are, but uh, Kyle, what do you, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Dodgers Braves. Again, that was my preseason NLCS prediction back in March. Now that we're here, stick with it. But yeah, that's one. I think where again, you feel more confident in that one because Yankees race can go either way. We talked about A's Astros. Yeah. Do- Dodgers and Braves to me in the NLCS is where I'm going there.
0: I'm I'm also going to go Dodgers Braves in the NL. You know, it's to me again, not that the, I think the Marlins absolutely could win the series against the Braves. And I think Braves fans are going to be sweating this every moment. If you're a Marlins fan, you don't get many of these moments, but if you're a Marlins fan, you're like, Hey, when we get the postseason, everything works out great. And if you're a Braves fan, you think when we get to the postseason, everything never works out. You know, we're we're at the 25th anniversary of the only time it all worked out for the Braves. So with all that, you know, it's again, these are definitely not 70-30 series. I would call these like 60-40 series at best. But that said... I was yeah, go ahead.
1: Marlins have never lost a postseason yep. series in their history. That that remains the ultimate. That they have never.
0: By the way, this this is a young team. If somehow they did win it this year, this would also should be the only the only time that they haven't completely dismantled their World Series winning team right after, because there's nothing to dismantle on this team right now. So you know this is a younger group. But again, I don't think it's going to happen. But it does stand
1: out to me But that- here's my question of the Marlins and Padres who do you think is more likely to pull off the upset? Marlins.
0: And the reason I say that is, is that if you told me that Sixto, well, two things. One, if you told me that Sixto Sanchez or Alcantara, if if you told me that they basically had one of those outings that just utterly shoves, but the flip side of that is, if they win one of those first two games, right? Because the Braves have said they're going free to Anderson. If the Marlins win one of those two games, they theoretically go into every game the rest of the series thinking we we might have the advantage on the, on the diamond, on the mound, on the mound. We may have the advantage tonight because if the Braves depend on Freed and Anderson going deep, when you're saying you're going five days in a row, the Braves bullpen depth is outstanding and it kind of gives them a resilience in this that most teams do not have. There will likely be, even if Fried and Anderson go five or six, there will be relievers who they pitch on game one. They don't pitch on game two. So they're ready to go deep on game three if they need to, or four, they have that depth. But that said, if one of those guys gets knocked out really early, this kind of all could quickly kind of fall apart pitching wise for Atlanta, because you just can't ask guys to go one to two innings every day for five days. And, when you get to Kyle Wright, who's been shaky until those last few starts, when you get to Josh Tomlin in game four, when you get to Max Fried, almost assuredly, if the situation presents itself, coming back in game five,
1: I, Marlins could win that series. Yeah, there's no question to me that the Marlins can win one of those first two games. Pablo Lopez versus whoever the Braves throughout their game three, that's starting pitching edge Marlins by a pretty wide margin. So, yeah, that's where that's where I was kind of going with this. I think that the way the pitching lines up, that might be the one where you say, okay, maybe maybe there's an, an elevated shot there. But again, you can never count this Padres team out. They, they've pulled rabbits out of the hat before. They, they've had some pretty remarkable comebacks. And again, they, they've played the Dodgers tough this year. It's, it's going to be a fun, fun, fun playoff series all the way around.
0: So we will be back tomorrow to analyze the first two games that happened on the American League side. We'll be back every day this week doing it and kyle will be kyle's uh, getting ready to to see a lot more good baseball so for kyle glazer i'm jj cooper here on the baseball america playoff podcast presented by my bookie so long everybody